I can't picture Laura without picturing her pocket watch. It's old and rusted, and the gears don't spin right, sending the hands backwards just as often as they go forwards. She found it on one of those California hiking trips she used to take when school got too boring or too overwhelming. She dragged me with her and got us lost, but that wasn't unusual. I nearly tripped over the watch, half buried in the ground, and Laura stooped to snatch it up. Her eyes were gleaming. Sometimes I try to remember the rest of that trip, but I can't. It's a blur of faded maps and dusty roads stretching to the horizon. We went our separate ways soon after that. Laura stayed in the West, went to grad school, started doing some history research. I headed out east, looking towards the future and eager to put all that behind me. If I'm being honest, I was kind of glad to get away from her. I felt like I'd never escaped the past with her around. I didn't really start to worry until the third week. Laura had gone missing, but that wasn't unusual. Staying lost, though, wasn't like her. I started having nightmares, dreams where I wandered through musty rooms, calling out for Laura while she slipped further and further away. I booked a flight out west, thinking that if nothing else, it might stop those awful dreams. I brought a postcard with me, one Laura had sent last year. She mentioned someone she'd been doing work with, an archivist named Daniel. It was all I had to go on, so I tracked him down to a nearby university. His office was hard to find. It was tucked into the back of the building, surrounded by a layer of old books and dust. Daniel himself was small and bookish, but nice enough and willing to answer my questions. I asked him about Laura. Work. I just knew what a quality individual she was and this fascination she had with, with history and playing a part in that history. It struck me that Daniel didn't seem at all worried. I asked him if he knew that Laura had been missing for weeks and if he was concerned for her, but all he said was... Dark stacks, it's kind of great, it's quiet. You can sort of become one with the, with the era or with history, so you're no longer kind of worrying about the day-to-day -day operations. You're going through original materials, you're reading their thoughts, and so you know you become part of, of that material or that time, and you can kind of get a sense of what it was like to be in that time. So, yeah, I would often find myself getting lost, losing time, and not wanting to go home. It turned out that Daniel had worked with Laura only briefly, but they'd formed a bond through their shared fascination with the American West. Eventually, though, Laura had begun to be drawn in by the history of a man named Edward Moybridge, and Daniel recommended she work with an old friend of his. I thanked Daniel and left, stepping out into a growing night. I hadn't realized it, but I must have been in his office for hours. Daniel had pointed me in the direction of a woman named Elizabeth, a researcher who specialized in the works of Edward Moybridge. Elizabeth's office turned out to be in the main archives a little ways off campus. The place was big and stately and had an air of authority about it. Her secretary instructed me to find her in the stacks beneath the building, which were sprawling, cavernous, and broken up by towering rows of books and shelves. I wandered for a little while, taking in the weight of knowledge all around, shivering a bit at the cold. Eventually, mostly by chance, I stumbled across Elizabeth, a single light from above illuminating her workspace and a small pile of photographs she had pulled for research. She smiled warmly and motioned for me to sit. I started my questions slowly, hoping to tease out some information about the mysterious source of my friend's fascination before pressing her on Laura's whereabouts. Elizabeth's eyes lit up at the name Moybridge. She began to describe a photographer obsessed with his work, almost to the point of mania. And that definitely affected his approach to photography and the risks he took 
and I would say even his devotion to photography because there were no paper negatives, everything was done on glass, and so for him to go photograph like the Modoc Wars, um, he had to take his own chemicals, he had to take packloads of glass plates and ensure they did not get broken and, and like just just the logistics of being a photographer working in rural areas in California just it's absolutely mind-boggling how challenging it was physically. She described his terrible carriage accident, murder of his wife's lover, and bitter feud with a railway tycoon. But through his tumultuous life, the pictures were a constant. Everywhere he went, Moybridge was taking photographs, working tirelessly to improve his art and his craft. He was driven, and for a second I could believe Elizabeth was actually talking about Laura. Strong personalities, very determined and very difficult people who would abandon their families to pursue photography without even really knowing what that was going to be. I mean, really, they did not know. Most amazing of all, though, was the Zupraxiscope, a device Moybridge invented to spin a series of images together into illusory movement. Elizabeth showed me one in action, and I found myself leaning closer and closer, completely entranced. With a click, the machine stopped its whirring, and I was jerked back to reality. Elizabeth smiled. It has this magnetic pull when you're able to see the world in the scale as you know it and see faces very clearly of people who've been dead for 100 plus years. It's an incredible emotional pull that photography has. I tried to shake my mind free of the cobwebs the pictures had woven and bring the conversation back towards familiar territory. So I asked her about Laura. Laura Carson? You don't know her? No. She she might have worked here somewhat recently. You, you never met her? No, I didn't. Mm -mm. And you've never heard of her either? Mm -mm. Was she lying to me? Laura had been here a month ago, but the more I pressed, the more I realized that truly Elizabeth had no memory of her. It was like Laura had never come here. I thought that Daniel must have lied to me then, even if it seemed unlikely. I stormed out of the stacks, ready to pin him to the wall. But Daniel's office wasn't where I left it. I was sure I'd navigated the twisting halls correctly, but there, where his office should have been, stood the door to a maintenance closet. It smelled of chemicals. I pounded on the door for what seemed like an hour, demanding that Daniel open it and let me speak to him. There was no response, of course. I was suddenly very cold, and I jumped at shadows as I made my way to the front office. I was feeling rattled, but the woman behind the counter was completely indifferent. She told me that there had been an office there, once, but they'd converted it into the closet over 20 years ago. That can't be right, I countered. I was there yesterday, talking to the man inside. She just shrugged, and my confidence started to slip. I found I couldn't clearly remember my meeting with Daniel. The whole experience had the hazy quality of a memory from long ago. Somehow I knew that I'd find the answers I was looking for in the stacks. That's where all the history was kept, where all the fascinations led. So I steeled myself against the chill and stepped down those stairs a second time. I started to wander, and quickly the winding paths bled together. I saw volumes on the shelves written in strange, twisting tongues and corridors that seemed to stretch endlessly to the horizon. I might have glimpsed Daniel, too, wandering and already long lost. I found myself spun around, unmoored, Fear began to seep like fog from the musty halls, but I pressed on, stumbling in the dark. When I stepped into the clearing, I almost laughed. The books were already there, waiting for me, 
catalogs of pictures, reels of worlds waiting to draw me in. There was a pocket watch there too, old and rusted and ticking madly. I started to turn the pages, not knowing just what I was looking for. Faster and faster I went until the images blurred together into an eerie mocking dance. A primal dread began to bubble in my mind, but still I pressed on. Then all at once, I stopped. There's only one photograph on this page, a grainy portrait of a group of people somewhere out in the old, untamed west. I scanned the faces one by one, and there, in the back, was a pair I recognized. The world faded all around me as I stared unblinking at those faces, and I saw their features with perfect clarity. It was Laura, smiling, and standing next to her was me.